appreciate that song, and we certainly need the Lord, don't we? I hope you think so, because we're going to talk a little bit about that today. As we continue with the theme, Compelling Community, for our local evangelism month, I, uh, I want us to think, uh, uh, what are some challenges that we face as we think about this uh, community? What are some challenges we face as we build a, a supernatural, compelling community? Last week, uh, we heard that uh, we are commanded to love one another with a Christ-like love, to do that which is supernatural. And to do that which is supernatural, we definitely need Christ. Amen? We can't do it on our own. If we do it on our own, it's just natural. It's not supernatural. <clears throat> so I want to ask you, when you're challenged, or when you're, when you're challenged to do something that is supernatural, or possibly challenged to do something you've never done before, or be involved in something where you just, that you've never done before, or maybe you can't see your way clear, you can't see the end product, or you can't see how it's going to take place, what is your reaction? How do you handle that challenge? How do you respond? Are you paralyzed? Are you, are you, are you gripped by fear when you're challenged with something like that? Are you motivated by faith? Are you trusting in the Lord? Is that what motivates you to do what God would want you to do? In other words, when you face the challenges of, of what a compelling community is, when you think about it, what do you think of? What do you think of when you, th when you hear the term compelling community? Well, how are you to respond when you hear that? What goes in your mind, or is it just a theme we picked out this month for our local evangelism month? Does it mean anything to you? What would some of the challenges possibly be? How do you respond to the challenges that you might think of? Do you respond afraid, or do you respond by faith? I think for, uh, boy, for many Christians today, there's a, this is a new concept. Uh, we've heard it over and over again, but it's a new concept to actually put into place for, for Christians to take a step of faith. How many of you ever in here have ever heard of that term, take a step of faith. Oh, come on. Like, unless you were saved yesterday, okay, you probably heard of that term. We need to take a step of faith or a leap of faith, although a step's not quite as far, right? Something like that, anyhow. I think for many Christians, it's hard for them to do it. It's hard for them to, to take that step out in faith or to, or to take a step of faith for a certain cause or because we're commanded to for a certain command. It is hard for many to do that. So many Christians live with a low-lying, if you will, low-lying sense or current of fear in their lives instead of living by faith. And that fear dominates them, and it controls their life. They may not even be totally conscious of it. It's just, what, it's just the way that they've always done it or always lived. And when you have someone like that and you look at their life, you're going to discover that so many of their decisions in their life are based on fear. And that's not to way, the way to live. That's not how God wants us to live. That's not the way God intended for us to live. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of what? Timidity or fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. In a familiar passage in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Not a life of fear, not a life of being afraid of everything, 
when we think about it, he wants us, us, he wants us to, to be motivated by faith and certainly not by fear. Well, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 14, if you will. Matthew chapter 14, there is an incident in the life of Jesus and his apostles here that I would be willing to say most everybody in this place is familiar with if you've read your Bible at all. And most people read at least the book of Matthew because it's the first one in the New Testament. Everybody just does that. Okay, even if they start off with good intentions of reading through the New Testament of the Bible, they'll start with Matthew. You either start Matthew or Genesis. So those two books usually get read quite a bit. And so most of you have probably read this very familiar story. But maybe, maybe you've never really put yourselves in the shoes of those who are in this story or participants in this story or in the shoes of the men, especially the Apostle Peter, in this story. And we're going to take a look at it, just part of Matthew chapter 14, and this story I'm telling you or talking to you about in just a second. But I want you to give you a little background first. Before we start reading, we're going to start reading verse 22. I want you to a little background that Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000, feeding the multitudes, and he has sent the multitudes out to go back home, and the disciples have been told to get into a boat and go on the other side of the sea. And then we're going to pick up this story here in verse 22, Matthew chapter 14. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when, they got in, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And we're going to just stop right there. As we continue with this story here, very, very, very familiar story, wouldn't you say? Have you, ever, has any, have you read it before? I thought you had, okay? But I want you to do something in this story. I want you to almost put yourself in the story. Imagine what's going on as we go through this message this morning. I want you to place yourself there. Put yourself maybe just on the boat or the things that you can see. I want you to place yourself there not knowing the end of the story. Pretend like you don't know how it's all going to turn out, all right? Because that's going to help with this message. So I needed to do that for me. Otherwise, just go to sleep. I want you to do that for me. As we continue with this, I want, I, want, I want us to ask ourselves just one question. I want you to keep it in your mind throughout the whole message. As we think of the local church community and our, our common bond in Christ and the challenges that comes with that, how do we react? That's what I want you to think about. As we think about our local church community here at First Baptist and our common bond in Christ, that which we have in Christ, and the challenges that come with that, how do you react? How do you respond? What do you think of that? You see, to live in community, we're all going to face challenges, are we not? We're going to face challenges. 
We're going to face them in our homes. We're going to face challenges in our careers, our finances. The list could go on and on and on. In every area of life, you're going to be called on to respond to a challenge of some sort. And boy, as I already mentioned, there are a lot of folks out there that struggle with this thought. And if you ask them, they will give you all kinds of positive testimonies about God and, and how great their life is and about how, how great God is and has been in their life. But when you look at their, their walk with God and where they're headed, what they will and what they will not do for God, the truth is, quite often, they're imprisoned by a spirit of fear. And if, we're, and if we're going to respond properly and live in community that is glorifying to God, we need to respond in confidence and in faith in Christ. So this morning I want to look at four things. Four things that will, at least I believe, will help us respond to the challenges of living in community with faith in Christ and not by fear. And that f- the, first, the first point I want to share with you is this. That God may ask us to do something that seems out of the ordinary. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever felt that way in your own life? God may ask us to do something that is out of the ordinary. Sometimes, believe it or not, sometimes God may challenge us in, in, in such a way that it will require us to do something that appears to be impossible or at, at best appears to be irrational. <laughs> Don't you agree? Sometimes that's what happens. We have a great example here in this passage of Scripture. Think about this. Peter knew that nobody could walk on the water. What would you think if someone asked you, and they're were, they were in another boat, because we don't know anybody else who can walk on the water, and they were in another boat, and you were in your boat, and they said, well, hey, Ron, come walk over here. Come to our boat. You'd think, if I jumped out of the boat, you'd think that's stupid. Right? Because I can't walk on the water. This is what happens here. Peter knew that nobody could walk on the water. He had never heard of such a thing. He certainly had never seen such a thing. Nobody could do that. It was impossible to walk on the water. It wasn't natural. It it wasn't normal. He had been a fisherman his entire life. He grew up in the sea. He knew you could not walk on the water. And yet, look what Jesus says here. Jesus says, come. Look what he says here. He says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. That's ridiculous. He can't walk on the water. Jesus is asking me to do something that's irrational, something that's impossible to do. Peter chose to follow the command of God, though, did he not? He even was willing to risk failure in order to be obedient to the Lord. And by faith, he stepped out of that boat. He could have said, you know what? There's no way I'm stepping out of this boat. There's no way I'm even thinking about it. This place is already falling apart. The, the boat is being tossed about like a, like a bobber in the water. If you look at verse 24, it says, But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against it. It's bobbing around out there. The wind is fierce. It's pitch black outside. And all he could see was a reflection of something over there. He, he could have stayed in the boat, folks, where it was really safe. He could have stayed in the boat where it was safe. But you know what? He realized that if what the Lord Jesus Christ said was true, come, and, and, and he could walk on the water, 
he would never be the same again. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think about that? Here's Peter in the boat. That's why I want you to put yourself kind of there in the, in the story. If he said, if the Lord Jesus Christ said, come, and I step on this water, and it, and it works, and I can walk on the water, and I, can, and I can come to the Lord, he would never be the same again. So the Bible says he stepped out of the boat, verse 29. He said, come, so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Just walked on the water and came to Jesus. I want you to think about this. As, as long as he was in the boat, he was relatively safe, correct? But when he began to get out of the boat, he was, he was subjecting himself to the possibility of drowning, the possibility of, of dying. You know, and keep in mind, he, he wasn't even totally sure that it was Christ. Look at verse 20, 28. Peter says to him, Lord, if it is you, if it is you, command me to come. But he was willing. He was willing to risk failure in order to be obedient to the Lord. Do you know, do you, were, do you know where most people, or at least most folks, are living today in their Christian life? Most believers are living in the boat. Most believers are living where it's safe. Most believers are living in some place where they hope they never hear an impossible or irrational request from God. Because it's safer there. And you couldn't get them out of the boat for anything. Because that's where it's safe. Because they're safe in the boat. Some are way down deep inside the boat. Some are way down there. You know, you know some folks will, will live in the boat their entire life. And you know what I mean by that? Especially when we're talking about community, Christ's community, God's community. There are some people who, 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 who will never participate in ministry. For a bazillion reasons, they never participate in ministry. They'll come to church every single Sunday. They'll sit in the pews every single Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, and never get out of the boat. Because it's safe to stay in the boat. But there are some, there are plenty of people who have the courage to get out and find out just how great God is outside of the boat. On the water. Listen, a supernatural, local church community will never take place if everybody stays in the boat. It'll never happen. We'll be little entities unto ourselves. That's, that's, what, that's what'll take place. It is by faith, being motivated by faith, that we help those who are in need. Isn't that true? It is, it is, it is by faith that we cultivate relationships. Not because we have so much in common with them, but because we have, a, we have, a, we have Christ in common with them. We have a bond with them in Christ. That's the reason why. It has nothing to do with where you live. It has nothing to do with how much money you make. It has nothing to do with the way you look. You, you build relationships with them because you have that common bond in Christ. You do that by faith. By faith, we step out of the boat and we see what God can and will do. It takes courage to do that. So the first, first point is God may. God may ask some. He may ask us to do something that seems out of the ordinary. 
The second point I want to share with you is God sometimes gives us opportunities to demonstrate his power in our lives. Now this, is a, this one we don't always care for, but it's, it's there. Sometimes God gives us opportunities to demonstrate his power in our lives. And this is what I mean. It was when Peter got out of the boat that he came to the end of himself. Isn't that true? Once he stepped out of the boat, there is not one thing Peter could do to keep himself up on that water. Not one thing. He could think all the positive thoughts that he wanted to, but it wouldn't keep him on top of the water. He couldn't hold himself on top of the water. The only thing, the only thing he could do was to rest in the power of Christ himself. That's the only thing that he could do. Do you really want to find out what God will do in your life? I'm not really going to ask you to shake your head yes or no, but I'm hoping you're thinking about it. Do you really want to find out what God will do in your life? Do you, do you really want to find out what a compelling community is like? Are you really interested in that? Do you want to see in a, in a, in a practical way the involvement of the mighty power of God in your life? Do you really want to see that? Because if you answer yes to that, the only way to find out what God will do in your life is to position yourself in, in such a way that only God can work it out. And that's what Peter did. Only, only Christ could keep him on top of the water. He had, by faith, stepped out of that boat and positioned himself in, in such a manner that only God could keep him on top of the water. It was through God's power that we see that in Peter's life. Folks, this is where real faith is put into action. This is where, we, you know, Peter could always say, man, I'm a man of great faith. Man, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I, you know, I... I, I tithe, I do all these great things that God wants me to do, and he receives all the glory, but there's nothing like stepping out of that boat onto the water and seeing God's power in action. Because there's nothing he could do to stay on top of that water. That makes a big difference. That's where faith is put into action, where we come to the end of ourselves and, and, and when we're totally dependent upon God. This is where the power of God is, 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 is really manifested in our lives, and you can see it. Other people can witness it. And at the same time, it both humbles us and strengthens us all at once. To live a life in God's community, to live a life in Christ's community, in our local body, we desperately need the power of God. We can't do it without the power of God. It's impossible. We need those opportunities. We need those opportunities where God demonstrates his mighty power right before our eyes. And, we can, and all we can say is, that is by God's power that that happened. It is by God's power that, that, our, that our community is, is serving one another and the people outside our community are, are seeing Christ's love and, and all the great things that can happen inside. It's only by God's power that that takes place. We need those opportunities. But as long as... But as long as you live in fear, as long as a people live in fear, you're never going to discover it. You're never going to know the supernatural power of God in your life. As the old saying goes, till you get out of the boat, to you take that first step of faith. The third point I want to share with you is this. When we do respond by faith, there may be some moments of doubt. This is what gets us sometimes, huh? It seems like I'm always living in a moment of doubt. 
they last from a moment to 10 minutes to half hour to half a day to a day to a week to a month and before I know it my whole life is just one big doubt think about that and we're gripped by that fear listen when you're out there and you're walking in faith and you're trusting in the Lord I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that you're never going to have a you're never going to have any doubts because you're going to it just happens you're going to have some doubts if it's not, am I sure this is what the Lord wants me to do? I, I'm, I'm not positive that this is the direction God wants me to go in. And then when you do go in that direction, well, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I didn't read the Lord right. And doubts tend to come into our lives. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. And I'm not going to say you're not going to have a lapse in your faith, because you may. We all do. But look what happens to Peter here. Look with me in verse 27. So it's been immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water, on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Things looking pretty good right now, right? But then verse 30, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Scripture says, and what happened to Peter here, it says when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Why did Peter begin to sink? What's the big deal? He's already walking on the water. Well, I think there are a number of reasons Peter sank, and, and many of these reasons are the same reasons that you and I have lapses in our faith. You know what? And oftentimes the lapse in faith comes when we're right, when we're right in the middle of something that, that God is doing in a tremendous way in our lives. Isn't that true? I mean, Peter stepped out of the boat, he's walking on the water, and all of a sudden he has this lapse in his faith. Has that ever happened? God is just working mightily in your life, the ministry you're involved in, and, and, and God is really blessing, and things are going along really well, and all of a sudden you begin to doubt. Sometimes we're just pessimists, aren't we? Things are going too good. I'm, something's got to happen pretty soon. And we, we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt God's power. We begin to doubt God's, uh, God's presence. Whatever the case may be, we begin to doubt. This is what happened to Peter. He began to doubt. Look at the first thing that happens to Peter here. First of all, he lost his focus. He lost his focus. Listen, when, when he was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, and when he was looking at this one who looked like Jesus and sounded like Jesus, and we know that it was the Lord. When he was looking at him, he was doing just fine. He was walking on the water. He was walking toward Christ. Then the Bible says, and seeing the wind, he became afraid. He lost his focus. Listen closely. When you begin to walk with the Lord and trusting him by faith, and when, when, when Christ-centered community starts, uh, starts to form and to function like a Christ-centered community is supposed to, listen, Satan begins to whip the wind up around us. And he begins to, to, to want to get our attention off of Christ. He wants to get our attention off of Jesus. He doesn't want us focusing upon him. He wants to distract you and me from the things of God and from the things of the Lord. And this passage says here, and seeing the wind, his focus failed. And seeing the wind, 
He no longer looked at Jesus. That wind was already blowing out there. He knew that before he stepped out of the boat. But then, I don't know, after going a certain distance, he decided to pay attention to his surroundings and took his focus off Christ and started to sink. He put his focus on the circumstances, on that wind. That's the second thing that happened. His, his focus shifted to his circumstances. His focus went from Christ to his uncontrollable circumstances. He couldn't control the wind. He couldn't control those things about him. You know, it's one thing to have circumstances that we can control, that we can manipulate. But Peter was faced with circumstances that was out of his control. He had no say over them. I mean, think about this. Here you go. He was out on the water. He was away from the boat. And there was nothing around him but water and storm and darkness. That's what he... Instead of focusing on Christ, all of a sudden he started focusing on that. Oh, my land. Have you ever been out to sea? There's a lot of water out there. And, and it's dark. Have you ever been out to sea at nighttime? It's really dark. You know, the ocean doesn't have little street lights and stuff in it. And it's dark. And if the wind is blowing and it's, the waves are high and it's just, it's a tumultuous place. All of a sudden he stops looking at Jesus. And starts looking at those things. He starts looking at the wind. And he starts focusing upon that. That's what happens to us quite often. Quite often in our lives, we start focusing upon the storms and the darkness and the stuff that surrounds us. And, 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 and we, we act like there's, there's nothing we can do. We need to refocus on Christ. We start thinking we don't have any other resources we can call out on. And that's true. For a supernatural, compelling community, the only supernatural resource we can call on is Christ. Amen? And God is our resource. This is where God's people in community can show forth God's power in the best way. When other people see that, and they see community at work. See, sometimes that's where God wants us. Sometimes that's where he wants us to be in our life. He wants us in circumstances that are out of our control. Now, how many here like that? I don't. But that's sometimes where God wants us. And we have to remember, nothing is out of God's control. Isn't that good? Peter began to look around, and he saw how far from the boat he was, and he must have wondered, what am I going to do? What have I done? Look where I'm at. And he started looking at his circumstances. Listen. God wants us to look to him as our resource in life. Along with that, think about this. Think about this. Let's stop and remember what had just taken place before they got into the boat. This happens to us quite often as well. Uh, before they got into the boat and they headed to the other side of the sea, I wonder, did Peter forget that just before they set sail, Jesus fed 5,000 people, over 5,000 people, with just five loaves of bread and two fish? Do you think he forgot about that? I'm thinking he did. I'm thinking he forgot about what just took place. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how we forget God's past performances in our lives? Well, I'm tell you what, I'm, 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 I'm responding to a challenge. I'm stepping out by faith. All of a sudden, I'm having, a, I'm having some doubts. I'm having a lapse in, in my faith. And I forget all that God has already done in my life. Down to the very fact 
that he saved me. That's what happens sometimes. We know that God has always been good, and God has always been very good to us and very faithful, and he's always remained faithful to us, but sometimes we forget that when we doubt. And when the winds of the storms are, are rushing in in our lives and rushing into us around us, and we cry out to God, God, what am I going to do? You know what we should be saying? God, what are you going to do in my life? You are my resource, my only resource. I don't have any resources of my own. So there may be some moments of doubt. But the fourth point I want to share with you is this. When we react by faith, not fear, everyone wins. So if you can, if you can respond to the challenges of, of a compelling community together as God's people, if we respond by faith and not by fear, everybody wins. We benefit ourselves individually because our faith is stretched. Wouldn't you agree? Our faith is stretched out there. You begin to learn to trust God. You're, you, you'll begin to say, why haven't I done this before? Why haven't I trusted him before? Why have I sat so long and did nothing? So this is what it means to live in community. This is what it means to live in community with God's people. Man, I've missed this all my life, all my Christian life. Our faith gets stretched and we see God at work in a very powerful way. We also learn the ways of God. That's another benefit. We learn the ways of God. Listen, you'll only learn them, if you will, by getting out of the boat, getting, taking that step of faith, doing what Peter did when Jesus says, come, go. Trusting, applying the principles of God's word in your ministry, in your life. Learn the ways of God. And that's always good, wouldn't you think? Another benefit is that we position ourselves. We position ourselves for greater service for the future. Think about this. Think about this in Peter's life. What a marvelous example. Peter still holds the human record for walking on water. Isn't that true? But he also, look at his ministry Look at his ministry, his leadership in the early church, his leadership amongst the rest of the apostles, his, uh, the miracles he performed in Christ's name, the books, of, or the, the books of the Bible that he wrote, and the list could go on and on and on. Positioned himself for greater service to God. That's always good. And perhaps the greatest benefit for all of us is our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ is so sweet because we're walking on a whole different spiritual level than before. Because we're trusting him. It's an, a, it's an unexplainable type of fellowship that only those with close communion with Christ can experience. Only those in God's compelling community can experience in their lives. We react by faith and not by fear. Everybody benefits. Well, let me close with this. Just some questions. Where are you at? Are you responding to God's challenges in fear? Asking yourself, maybe, suppose, suppose this happens, or suppose that happens. What am I going to do? What would I do in that? Suppose I fail. Suppose I, I'm exposed and my faith isn't as great as I, I or, or everyone else thought it was. Suppose that takes place. Suppose I step out of the boat and sink. Are you motivated by fear? 
Or are you motivated by faith in God whom you proclaim, who you claim to know as your Savior? What motivates you to, to handle these challenges that come our way? Listen, if, if, if you, if, if, are, are you wanting to, to live life in fear all the time? Many of us are. Have you, ever, have you ever just in your quiet time wondered what God could have done in your life? You ever wondered that? What God could have done if I only lived by faith and not by fear? Are you willing to trust God and find out how great He can be? That's the challenge this morning. As we talk about compelling community, are you willing to trust God and find out how great He can be? Listen, God wants us to say, or to, to, to stay with the cliche. He wants us to get out of the boat. He wants us to get out there. He wants us to get out there where life becomes exciting and challenging, where you have to rely on Him. You can't rely on your own strength because you have nothing else to rely upon. Listen, when we focus on Him, we're fearless. Amen? So where are you at? How do you respond? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, as we've read in your word this morning, there are great examples of living by faith. And Father, for us to live in a community, Christ's community, God's community, where others see, help us, Father, to respond to the challenges of living by faith. So many of us live in fear, a fear of what others may think, fear of what uh, you might do in our lives, Father, that will make us uncomfortable. Lord, I pray that you'll help us this morning to overcome, to live by faith, to put our, our trust in you and only in you. Father, that you receive the glory through it all in Jesus' name. Amen.